In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Where do you get your self-worth? Whose voice do you listen to? Welcome to GirlfriendIt, a great place to connect and girlfriendify your life. We are Lisa and Patty, and today we're discussing sex, sexual addictions, johns, pimps, strippers. Uh, I guess it'll be a lively show. So I think what you're saying, basically, it's going to be a show that's rated PG-13, right? Yeah, yeah, you might want to get the little ones out of the room. Well, since we're talking sex, we're going to go ahead and delete the drugs part, the sex and no drugs, but we're going to go right to the rock and roll first. Because, Patty, I think, didn't you just attend some rock and roll concert <laughs> this past week? Well, I, I think um, as rock and roll as I get, because it's it's um, hosted by Disney, I believe. It's the Jonas <laughs> Brothers. But I have to tell you, talking about um, who we're listening to, what voice has an impact on us, for our children, I, I assume that the Jonas Brothers is somewhat of a decent concert to go to. So I brought my daughters, and um, it's kind of crazy the way that, I guess I'm getting old. It's, I can't believe you're admitting that. It's not Disney anymore. I just got to tell you that. It's it's one of those where just different in the way the girls are dressing and, you know, very, very short. And performing. Yes, and performing and short, short skirts. And, you know, you kind of, I, I loved it. It was, a, it was a great concert. But you see it from, you know, I have a nine-year-old. So you see it from her, her perspective, yes. and, you know, the 14-year-old, of course, couldn't talk for two days because she was screaming at the top of her lungs, her and her girlfriend. But um, it, was a, it was a great show, but you do wonder Okay, so how did, how did um, you, your youngest one, Paris, how did she like it? Because I know you kind of went to take her, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, she, you know, she was into it for maybe two minutes, and then she wanted to walk around, and it was more about what kind of food can I have? What kind, is there popcorn, cotton candy? <laughs> <laughs> she thought she was at the state fair or something. But um, I asked later what their highlight was because I'm thinking, okay, mom really jumped through hoops to make this concert happen. So yeah. I'm hoping that they're going to. And I got to say, I was really surprised because I've never really heard you say Jonas Brothers. And then when you go, I'm taking the girls. First of all, you had to drive like 50 miles one way to get there and you don't like to drive five miles to go anywhere. Yeah. yeah. So the fact that you would go and you went without Kevin, your husband, you just, you and the girls. And I found that fascinating. <laughs> Because I'm a U2 fan, that's about it. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting. So I asked them, you know, what was their highlight of the week, and I'm just waiting for them to say, it was the Jonas Brothers, and you're the best mom ever for making that happen. But um, Paris, and they didn't say that? <laughs> Paris said it was 
the trip home from the Jonas Brothers because, and she goes, but mom, I knew it was going to be my trip home because she had planned it. It was all about the journey to her. It was bringing her blanket and her pillow and putting her pajamas on and she made a fort in the back seat. Well, she is so much like you because you live in that land far, far away, so you create that fantasy world. So she must have created her fantasy world in the back seat on the way home. (laughs) She did. She had her little fantasy fort going on, and and that was the best part. But it made me laugh because so many times we are all about that destination. We're all about that that final, this is, this is the concert, this is the event that we've been waiting for, and we really do need to stop and just, it's about the journey. And she had planned it out, and it was all about the journey of, of having fun even, you know, driving the 50 miles to get there. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't so much about the journey for you because you don't like that part of the journey. But you know what? We're talking today about um, where do you get your self-worth and whose voice do you listen to? And we are so bombarded every day with so many voices trying to tell us who we are And um, we have to make decisions every day of whose voice we're going to listen to that we're going to allow to kind of define us and refine who we are. And I know, like you just said, you know, like the Jonas, we let celebrities, you know, dictate or speak into us. We let society's magazines going, this is what we should look like, this is who we should be. And I think as women, so many times we compare ourselves and um, to these other voices that are speaking to us. And I know sometimes it's it's a spouse that maybe is – not putting us in our best light or doesn't, you know, there's so many women that live in relationships where they're not getting, um, you know, encouraged yeah. for who they are. And so I think so many of us women and women in general, as we're talking to women, they really do struggle with their self-worth and, and the voices. And maybe it's a voice from the past. Well, and, and you know, there's a great quote for that because so many times, like you said, if it is from the past, how do we let that go? And we truly look at it as the sun is, up and this is a brand new day and the quote what you need to know about the past is that no matter what has happened it has all worked together to bring you to this very moment and this is a moment you can choose to make everything new right now and if we really woke up going this is a fresh new day I'm mm-hmm. going to truly erase what I've heard those voices from the past you know maybe it's um, Angela in seventh grade that told you you have weird eyebrows or something, you know, yeah. and you can't get over that. Yeah. Or, you know, you someone said, yeah, you're fat, and you can't get over that because that is how you see yourself. What if you just erased all of that and this is truly so a you find it fascinating that as women, we can lock into one statement or one sentence that somebody said that just triggered an emotion and stuck with us, and we can hold on to it for 20 years. Oh, and yeah. not let it go. So I love, you know, the fact that you're saying it's a new day, and but it goes back to you have to choose to allow it to be a new day to have a fresh start. Well, and when you're saying that this situation is hopeless, then you really are, you're slamming the door in the face of God. You're calling God a liar because he says you're, you're wonderfully and beautifully created, and we need to take that and do something. He has a plan for us, and we have a purpose. So to, to let those voices literally hold you as a prisoner, then we really are slamming that, that door and God's So basically face. what we're trying to, you know, to say is really the voice that we should be listening to is the voice of truth that comes from God who's telling us we're beautifully and wonderfully made. And it doesn't, you know, we can't always control what others do to us and maybe how we were raised in some different situations that we experienced that were very unfortunate. And I know recently we just read a statistic that was very alarming that we're still trying to wrap our brains around um, absolutely, 47% of families say pornography is a problem in their home. And you read that and you go, okay, that's an astronomical number. That means that every other person is dealing with some type of pornography 
in their home, and you go, that can't be. Well, you know what, and then it makes you wonder, is it, is it happening, but it's not being talked about? Right. You know what I mean? Because it's like we, we, we're sitting there going, I don't know that many people that, but yet it really is an issue, and it's really happening. And, and when we're talking about this whole uh, sex industry, and all, there's so many layers to it, and I know we're talking to two different individuals today that are dealing with two different areas of this the sex environment. They're, the, they're the hope agents. <laughs> yeah, they really are. They're offering hope. And that's one thing we want to walk away with. It's like, okay, we're talking about some dark things today, but there's always hope because there's always God and there's always day. And, and that's what we really want to focus on today as we go into the show and, um, and listening again to that, to that voice. And so as, as, um, as people are listening, we're hoping that they're going, they're kind of searching their soul and going, okay, what voice truly am I allowing to define me right now? What voice is screaming at me the loudest that I'm so receptive to? And is it a positive voice or is it a negative voice? And if it is a negative, what are some things I need to do to hit the delete button on it? Yeah. Well, and it's really hard because we have so many gals that come to us and they pour their heart out. And when you say hit the delete button, that's always my, my mode of operation is, you know, snip, snip, you're dealing with this, get, cut that cancer out of your life. You're just very matter of fact about it, I must say. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, you know, this guy's having an affair or he's going to the strip club or, you know, obviously there's, there's some type of sexual addiction here. It's like delete. And yet you, you hear these women coming back and it's the same stories over and over and over again. And so at what point, when they're pointing the, pointing the finger that it's this man that's doing all this, at what point do you finally look at yourself and go, what am I doing here that is feeding this? What am I doing here that is not, am I trying to... Hey, you're taking kind of a tough stand. I think you might be irritating some women <laughs> going, okay, are you saying that I am the issue? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not pointing any fingers here and saying you're the issue, but you do have to look at it and go, how long am I going to put up with this? How long am I... You know, going to allow to be, it. Yeah, and I'm going to be codependent and just continuously enable this person to have this behavior. Well, you know, there's a saying that uh, that we love, and it's nothing changes when nothing changes. And maybe this is a day for someone that's listening to go, I'm going to change some things right now. I'm going to change the voice I'm listening to. I'm going to change some, some behaviors. And, and what, what do you think that looks like, if you're doing some changes? I think one of, go ahead. Well, I think one of the things, besides listening to the show, because we have Harmony Dust and Pat McCullough, who are fabulous in what they're doing and their passion points, and, and like we said, they're hope changers, um, to, to start listening to um, some information or seek counseling. But I also think asking yourself some tough questions. I love it because we, we love questions because questions really can take you down. And I think so many times we don't, t- we don't stop and take time to ask ourselves tough questions go, how did I get here? Um, what are things I've allowed? What are some things I need to remove? What do I need to change? And maybe do I need to bring somebody into my life that's holding me accountable and that I can dialogue with? Because mm-hmm. I think so many women, um, they, they suffer and they struggle in silence and, and isolation. Mm-hmm. And they don't let somebody trusted that's healthy to come in and, and ask them some tough questions and help them kind of work through it a little bit. Okay, so what would be a question before we go into our commercial break? What would be a question that our listeners could ask themselves if they are dealing with well, this? I think one is, is there a conversation that you need to initiate with somebody, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a family member. Do you, do you need to go into the danger zone, so to speak, 
to ask, to, you know, get some answers, to deal with a tough question. I think so many times we avoid these tough conversations because mm-hmm. we don't want to deal with conflict and we don't want to, this conversation's going really dark really quick. I mean, it's heavy. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's why we have Harmony Dust. Harmony Dust is a great friend of ours and just uh, a ph- phenomenal speaker. She's an author and she is the president and founder of I'm a Treasure and she will have some great insights on the right kind of questions asked, so we're going to hear her story next, and we're going to be able to go into some of those questions. Well, and, and Harmony, is, I, the thing I just so appreciate about her is just she's real and she's raw and she doesn't hold back, and I think we're going to be using some words that maybe you don't always hear on the radio because it is right PG-13 today because sometimes you have to go into what's really reality in these issues because it's not... Um, when you're talking about the sex industry, it is a tough one. So stay with us as we talk to Harmony Best. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. I love it. Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen know it. Join these soul sisters on Togginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. Showcases two sides. One, to help entrepreneurs showcase their products and tell their story of their happily ever after. And two, to interview people who have realized their own fairy tale and doing something to benefit others. This show is here to help folks who have an idea and want to get it off the ground, as well as to inspire people to make the world a better place by doing something extraordinary or out of the box to help others. Both of these entrepreneurs have their own businesses and websites. With more information on their passions and successes, first for Debbie, FairyTaleWishesInc.com. And for Deanna, TheNextBigZing.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. With the Soul Sisters, Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen on Toginet.com. Now, there is a show that boldly claims that it can help you reveal where you are on your spiritual path. It's The Soul's Intent with author, psychologist, and spiritual teacher Ernie Vecchio and host Didi Mercer Moffat. Thursday evenings at 9 on Toginet.com. The soul's intent is that you get here, that you live in the present, and that you witness your life in a fashion that puts you in tune or in touch with the wisdom of the whole of who you are. Having context for our lives provides the continuity to make a shift for the better in our lives. The soul's intent suggests that the change is actually outside of time. For more information on Dr. Vecchio and the soul's intent, go to truthsofbodyandsoul.com. Tune in and learn how this is the physical place of love, truth, and freedom. Learn that moving to such a place is actually a choice. The Soul's Intent with author, psychologist, and spiritual teacher Ernie Vecchio and host Didi Mercer Moffat. Thursday evenings at 9, 8 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. 
Okay, we are back, and we are having a very interesting conversation um, about sex and the sex industry, in industry not interesting, but yeah. the sex and sex industry. And we have Harmony Dust on the line, and she is the president and founded I'm a Treasure as a, a dream born from a broken past. I know, um, Harmony, you also just recently uh, released a book called Scars and Stilettos, and that is just a fantastic book. I would say go run and get that book. Harmony, we are so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you. I'm really excited to be on the show, too. I love you guys. <laughs> well, we just had Harmony come out um, for one of our conferences, and she just did a fabulous job and has so much to say. And Harmony, you've been empowering women for the last, uh, I don't know, it's been past a decade. And just helping them discover their value and purpose by providing mentorships and just spiritual encouragement. What led you to that passion point? Well, it was a long journey to get there. Um, but basically, I worked in the sex industry after just a you know a background and a childhood of a lot of abuse and and just um, being in a really broken place and not really having any sense of self worth and had been in an abusive relationship and just you know, all that stuff. And I was working in the sex industry. And, and so my, my passion really for reaching women in the sex industry and, um, and really working with people who are dealing with sexual brokenness comes from just knowing the depth of that, that pain myself. Okay, we, we have to back you up there. When you say that you went into the sex industry, at, at what age did you start, I mean, feeling that spiraling down, which led you into And what the sex voices were, was kind of, you know, were you... It's affecting you in your life. Um, well, I was. I went. I started dancing when I was 19, but I would say actually my road to that arena started a lot earlier. I became involved with the um, the boyfriend that I had at the time when I was about 15. I had known him since I was 11, and now looking back, I can see you know the red flags with my you know my adult mind and. Um, and actually, it's interesting because I remember when I was, I think, 15 or 16, we were walking down the street. We, we had this conversation where he said, you know, I could sell you. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he just started pointing out, like, see how all the people on the street are looking at you? And when they drive by, he's like, I could sell you. And then he just started walking down the street. And anyone who would walk by, he was like, anybody got a nickel? Like, basically saying he could sell me for a nickel. And at the time, I just, you know, like, I was like, hey, stop it, you know, and kind of shrugged it off. But... Now looking back, I can see that even him as a young boy, he had that mentality kind of ingrained in him, a sort of a pimp mentality and had it in his mind that he could capitalize off of my sexuality. So, it, you know, it wasn't a far stretch from having his voice, really, and that was one of the major influences in my life, in my head for so many years, telling me that no one would ever love me, that he was the only one that would ever put up with me, that I was stupid, that I was worthless, and, and I believed him. And part of the reason I believed him is because he was just telling me what I already believed to be true about myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So at what point, what brought you to that next level where you were a, you, you did believe the lies and the voices? Well, um, I'm, I, got, I left my home when I was um, 17, basically. I, I, was, I wasn't quite 18 yet, and we moved in together. And I was going to school full-time because... Um, you know, when I was when I was a teenager, at, at one point I lived in a group home, and um, just because of a lot of the stuff that was going on in my, in my home, so I was I was living in like a county foster care group home, 
And I remember just meeting a, a peer counselor there who, you know, he was in college and he was, um, he just had it in his mind to do something and make something of himself. And so I kind of got it in my head that education was going to be the, my way out, my way out of, you know, um, the poverty that I had lived in, my way out of the cycles that I had seen happen in my family. And so I just really threw myself into school and committed myself to school. And so I was in, I was in college full time. And at the time I was at a JC, I ended up transferring to UCLA later. And I was working full time and struggling to make ends meet and fully supporting, you know, that, the boyfriend that I had. Um, and I was just in a place of financial desperation and someone suggested that I become a stripper. And, you know, I thought, no way, this is not something I would ever do. It definitely wasn't on my radar. I don't think anybody, you know, wakes up when they're in the fourth grade and says, I know what I want to do with my life. I want to be a stripper, you know. Um, but as, as circumstances in my life just seemed more and more out of control and finances, you know, I was over $35,000 in debt and on the brink of bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. And, now, when uh, you say you're over $35,000 in debt, because I, I have um, some other girlfriends that have put themselves in that situation, and it has been because not only are they, they supporting themselves, but they're supporting a guy in their life. Yeah. But what point do you, do you think that, why did you feel like that was your responsibility to support him as well? Well, you know what? It was, a, it was, a, a, it was kind of a slow bleed into that, but basically what happened is when, um, when I was younger, when we were teenagers, you know, he was also a kid who was in and out of group homes and, you know, just, you know, very troubled himself. And at one point he started saying that he was going to have to move. And I was so afraid for him to move. He didn't have any place to stay. And at that point, I think he had turned 18, so he couldn't go back into a group home or anything like that. And so I, you know, and he couldn't, he was, oh, I could, what was me? I can't get a job. I don't even know if he ever actually tried to look for one. But I said, oh, you know, I'll help you out financially. Why don't you just get an apartment and I'll, I'll help you pay for it? And I'm 15. So I started, like, giving him whatever money I had. And then by the time I was 17, I was stealing money from the register at work to fully support him. And then um, and the other thing, too, it's like I never had money growing up. So um, I was used to not having a lot for myself. But then also I kept because my, we had so many strangers living in and out of our house, and that's a whole other story. And um, because of all the people living in and out of the house, I, anytime I did have money, it was stolen from me. So I kind of felt like, oh, it's going to get stolen from me anyways. I might as well just give it away. <laughs> Which wow. Is, you know. And then, yeah. you know, no one told me about those, you know, those stinking credit card offers in the mail that you have to send <laughs> back. So here I have $35,000 in debt, but I was 19 making yeah. like, I don't know, $6 an hour or something. So, you know, just didn't measure up. <laughs> so it, it sounded like that's a great answer to a need there. Yeah, the credit cards? Yeah. Well, credit you know, so many women that we talk to, it's like like you said, it's like I, I was in the fourth grade and I didn't, I, my aspiration wasn't to become a stripper. But it's like so many women that we hear, like, and it, especially the college age, it seems to affect them because, like you said, it can be quick money and they get validation for, you know, for their looks. And so many of them go, I'm just going to do it for a year just to get out of debt because I have this, you know, enormous credit card. And, and a lot of times they do, they allow a guy to come in and, and, you know, rack up the debt and they'll just go, it's just for a short while. And then 20 years later, they find themselves still trapped in that industry because. Totally. Money is good, but they don't know how to manage the money. Right. Do you see that so much? I see that so much, and that was definitely the case for me. I, I thought, you know, I'll get in, I'll get out, I'm done. 
And for me, and this isn't the case for everybody, but for me, I know that um, a big, the major reason that I went into industry was uh, the root of it was this intense fear of abandonment. Because what I didn't mention about the guy is this. So here I'm, I'm a girl. My dad left me when I was a year. I was basically sexually abused and raped throughout my whole life. Um, and then as a teenager raped. And then one of my abusers um, was my mother's boyfriend. And so long story short, I finally stood up to him and um, gave my mom an ultimatum that if he didn't leave, I was leaving, ran away from home. She took me seriously, kicked him out. And so he left. But my mom went with him. So she um. left me when I was 13 and my brother when I was 8. And he was 8 and I was 13 for three months with nothing but $20 and a book of food stamps. And wow. so I, here I had been now abandoned by my father, now abandoned by my mother. And it was at that point that this boy in my life, he basically came, you know, to save the day. He came with his cape on, you know, and he would yeah. come and look out for my brother and I. We lived in an area where there was a lot of gang rivalry, and he would tell me, I'll look out for you. I got your back. I'll, I'll, I'll keep you safe, which is what I had always wanted someone to do for me is keep me safe and make me feel protected. And, you know, he would take us to the, the liquor store, and he would buy us food and snacks. And, and so he was the first male figure in my life that I had ever felt protected by and that I ever felt would be there for me. And so for me, I, I became consumed with this intense fear that he would abandon me and that he would leave. And so for me, my motivation for everything that I did um, and every unhealthy situation I, I allow myself to be in was out of a fear that he would leave. And I, ha- I literally had this this lie in the core of me that I would die without him, that I, I mean, that I would just unravel. And he, he confirmed all this, like, you know, he made me all, he, he, he saw that vulnerability in me and he also just, you know, made me feel like you can't make it without me. What else are you going to do? No one else is going to want you. Who would want mm-hmm. you? And so I, that for me, so much of my motivation for going into the industry was so that I could buy his love and keep him from leaving me. And as long as I could keep him dependent on me, as long as he needed me financially, then uh, I had something, you know, I had something for, you know, to hang on to. So that, that was my motivation. I think it's different for other women, but for mine, it was a very deep rooted fears of abandonment. Well, do you find, we, we have about a minute before we go into our commercial break, but Harmony, do you find as you're working with these gals, that most of them are taking care of men in their life because they feel like they finally have the power over these men, that it's like, you're not going to hurt me anymore. I, I'm controlling the situation. I think that a lot of women do experience that, and whether or not they have a boyfriend that they're supporting, that false sense of empowerment and that feeling like, I can take that control of my sexuality and my finances, of, you know, especially for those that have been sexually abused as children, and up to 90% of women in the industry have been sexually abused. Um, but, then it, but then that's not the case for everybody. Some, some are single moms who are, who are just truly struggling to support their children. And, um, and, you know, so it's different for everybody. But you, I definitely see that a lot is women who are in my position taking care of a, a boyfriend in their life. I know. Well, we only have a few seconds, but you know what's so fascinating about your story when you meet you is you, the, the woman that you're just describing, 
It's not who you are, and you have not allowed that past to define who you are and that voice to dominate you, but you've truly have allowed the voice of God to define who you are as beautifully and wonderfully made. And so as we come back, we're going to talk about the hope aspect and that there is life beyond that darkness. Stay with us. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Vision Onward is a mission. Vision Onward is passion. Vision Onward is compassion. It's God's power being shown in the world today with the guidance of the Holy Spirit through Jeff Holly and his family. And now, it's here on Toginet, Monday evenings at 9, 8 central. Vision Onward began over three years ago when Jeff and his family felt that after sitting in a church for years, they had come to a place in their faith where they were tired of sitting around and talking about their faith. They actually wanted to do something about it. So they decided to use their time, treasures, and talents that God had blessed them with to help those who have, by no choice of their own, been born into a world of poverty. So they walked away from the American dream, which they realize is actually a nightmare, so they can help others find hope in what seems to be a hopeless world. For more on Vision Onward, go to visiononward.org. This is truly a God-led adventure of the heart and humanity, making a difference for Christ. It's Vision Onward with Jeff Holly, Monday evenings at 9, 8 central on toginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. I love it. Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen know it. Join these soul sisters on toginet.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. Showcases two sides. One, to help entrepreneurs showcase their products and tell their story of their happily ever after. And two, to interview people who have realized their own fairy tale and doing something to benefit others. This show is here to help folks who have an idea and want to get it off the ground, as well as to inspire people to make the world a better place by doing something extraordinary or out of the box to help others. Both of these entrepreneurs have their own businesses and websites. With more information on their passions and successes, first for Debbie, FairytaleWishesInc.com. And for Deanna, TheNextBigZing.com. Believe in your fairy tale to make your zing come true. With the Soul Sisters, Debbie Glickman and Deanna Cohen on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. We're having a great conversation with Harmony Dust, the president and founder of I'm a Treasure and author of Scars and Stilettos. And Harmony, before we get into just talking about the hope of, of where gals can get help to get out of the sex industry or how you can get help if someone in your family is in the sex industry, I just have to ask you a couple more questions. In your book, uh, Scars and Stilettos, you talk about a point in your life when you were actually in the other room while your, your live-in boyfriend brought in another woman. And I just, there's a point there where it's just so foreign. I can't even comprehend that yet. I know a lot of women relate to that. So I just have to ask you, at what point were you in your life when, when this took place? And kind of tell us a little bit more about that scenario. 
Yeah. I mean, the crazy thing is, is I can hardly believe myself that that was me. I mean, I feel like, I feel like I'm talking about another person in another life. And the truth is actually, I was so disconnected, um, from my, my feelings. And I was so, um, like, I just, I was so in denial and so much, I just associated so much that I was barely even present. I, I, at that time, even, I felt like I was watching my life on a movie screen, like, this can't be happening to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to even grasp the, the depth of despair that I must have been in for me to be willing to, to make that choice, to stay in the same you, house you, with my boyfriend. And home. My you came home one day, right, and you just you went into your closet and there was other girls' clothing yeah, in your closet. Yeah, he, he, he got another girl pregnant, and he moved her in with us. And believe it or not, the, that, that, that fear of abandonment that I was talking about was so deep that I was willing to stay in a situation that was that horrible rather than to be by myself. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm talking like I was intensely afraid of, of losing him. And I kept thinking that all I had to do is just if I could outlast the pain, if I could outlast the moment, I would be the last woman standing. And then he would realize, you know, that I am worth loving. Like, and that's the thing. I was, it was also that I just wanted to, I wanted to prove myself. And I wanted to prove that I was the one that he should choose, that I was worth loving. And, um, yeah, it was. And even the fact that I would, I would allow myself to be in, in that situation was just a reflection of how broken I was and how little I thought of myself. I mean, nowadays, I mean, my friends who know me nowadays, it literally feels like I'm talking about another human being because I, I can't even fathom it. Like, it's crazy. Well, and you know what? It doesn't, when we're listening to that and sitting with you, you're looking at you going, okay, that is a totally different person. That can't, it's hard to, to envision that that's who you were. But you're talking about these feelings of abandonment and how deep they run. And don't you find that so many times when we're in that state of brokenness or um, and dealing with issues of whether it's abandonment, rejection, um, extremely low self-worth for whatever reason, that you're in that state of uh, paralysis where you don't even know how to move out of that. It's like you want something better, you want something more, but you are so stranded in that spot that you don't even know how to move and what that looks like and what you, the first step is. What, how would you address that for women that are maybe finding themselves in that broken spot or maybe they know somebody that's there and they don't, I don't know how to reach that woman. What would you say to that? Yeah, I mean, it, that's really what it is. It's, it's just like there's a feeling of paralysis. It's like you want something different, but you don't know how to do anything other than what you've been doing. And mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's the thing, to break the pattern a lot of times. We do have to step out and do something different and be willing to make difficult choices. And I think that um, having support and having healthy community is absolutely vital to that. There's no way that I could have um, walked out of that situation on my alone, like without the support of anybody. Or And, and so for me, um, getting planted in a church and being surrounded by healthy people and seeing the choices that healthier women in my life were making and realizing, oh, it's possible to make healthier choices and it's possible to do it this way and I won't die if I'm alone. And actually, I remember I was so impacted by it. the girl who actually brought me to church and just 
showed me the unconditional love of God. She never pointed fingers. She didn't push me. She didn't judge me. She just let the Holy Spirit do a work in my life. But one of the things that I was so impacted by is that for a season of her life, she had made a commitment to be single. And I couldn't believe it. Like, (laughs) that to me was crazy. And as a matter of fact, at one point, I said to her, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't Mm. do it. And she said, that's probably exactly why you should. And so I needed voices like that in my life and people like that in my life that were going to show me a different way and that when I was making those hard choices and doing things that I had never done before and stepping out of cycles that were, you know, that had been lifelong and and patterns that had been lifelong, that people could stand by my side and say, you can do it. You can do it. I know it's hard, but you can do it. And God is there and God will carry you through it. And so I think that's so important. And that's that's part of... um, you know, what we do at Treasures, we just come alongside women and stand by them and, and you know, um, are just a voice and a support and a partner with them in their journey. That's, that's just amazing. And so many times we do, as women, we live in such isolation and we don't realize that it, it really is just about stepping out and getting that person that will come along beside you and say, I've got your back here. That's and true depend on me. And you find those people that are literally Jesus with skin on. And it sounds like this gal was definitely Jesus with skin on that came along. I do. How did you meet her? Um, I will tell you that, but I would like to to submit something for just really quickly. When you're talking about isolation, I think that's true. But here's the other thing. Here's the flip side of it is that you can be a woman who is in church, in Bible studies, surrounded by people. But if you are not being vulnerable and bringing your true self to the table and being willing to share your baggage and your junk with someone else, you're still going to feel isolated. So you can still feel just as trapped and isolated and be surrounded by people. And I'm just throwing that out there as a challenge to maybe those of you who are listening and thinking, yeah, well, that's great, but I I have like a million friends, but I still feel so alone. Then I would just Mm -hmm. challenge you to just go to a deeper level of intimacy um, and, you know, find safe people to do that with. And that is such a great point because you can sit in a crowded room and feel extremely lonely and isolated. And it does go back to you have to be willing to do your part. And like you said, to, to kind of put it out there, to be vulnerable, but to, to use, to just pray for discernment that God would give you discernment in who you choose to, to be vulnerable with. Exactly. So it doesn't become, you know, a gossip session for somebody, but truly that God would bring healthy people into your life that can ask you the tough questions, that can be there to encourage you and to be a cheerleader for you in the journey to health and wholeness. Yeah. And, and I some, think you can hide so easily in churches, and churches are a great place to hide. Yeah. And I think for some people, you know, because, because of their own fear of intimacy and connecting on a, on a level that is, is real, they might, when, when you find yourself try, starting to open up, you might, might find that, you know, like, like they were saying, not everybody will be able to go there with you. Not everybody's going to be able to handle that. And just really, like you said, praying for discernment that, that you would, um, find and choose the right people and safe people to open up to. And it might be going and finding someone that you've n- never known before. You might just need to find someone outside of your circle. Exactly. And you know, the other thing is too is, is finding somebody that, um, sometimes we think we have to find somebody that's just like us. But it may be somebody older. It yeah. may be somebody younger. It may be somebody that we never would would have thought to reach out to that God is bringing into our life yeah. to be with Hold us on. for a season of our, exactly. our of our journey along Definitely. the way. Yeah. Can you just share a story or so, just 
Uh, I know you have so many stories because we, we, we follow you and we've talked to you and we've, we've heard the stories, but can you just share a story where you see God totally transform a woman and just that hope that is so alive? Because I think that's the thing we want to leave women with. There is always hope because there's always God. And yeah. so what, is, what does that look like? Can you just share a story with us? Oh, gosh, there have been, there have been so many, but um, one that I love is actually one of our one of our earliest stories, and we've seen some stuff like this happen time and time again over the years, but there was a girl who came, and she started coming to the, the meetings with treasures, and she was still working in strip clubs. And I was just like, okay, God, and praying and trying to decide, should, should she be coming to the treasures meetings, and she's still working at strip clubs, but I just felt God say, yeah, just include her. And so here she comes, and after the second meeting, she just announces to us, I'm going to go and clean out my locker. And she left the industry that night and never went back. And as a matter of fact, then she went on to serve as a volunteer on our outreach team and, and then went on. And, um, and she, when she left the state, she has been a monthly financial partner with us ever since. Wow. And, I just, and her story is on our website, and she you know, just lets God use the pain from her past for purpose. And I love seeing that. I love seeing that when not only does a woman, you know, she, she is able to walk away from her old past, but then she allows God then to use it for, for good in her life. And, I mean, that, that to me is like full circle recovery. Yeah. Well, you know what? And we only have less than two minutes, Harmony. It's been such a light to talk to you, as always. We just always look forward to our our conversations. We know people can find you. We have it on our website, Girlfriended, where they can reach you and go into treasures, Iamatreasure.com. And we highly recommend your book, Scars and Stilettos. It just is so real. And we all know somebody that this affects. I mean, if we really get to it, or we should be knowing somebody because we should be out there. But um, even with this, this strip club industry, you know, when Patty and I first went in and started going in, we were amazed at how many women actually work. And I thought, oh, just a few. And I remember hearing that on a roster for a club, there will be, you know, three to 400 women on the roster that are, that are working, you know, in any, any given time in and out. And, it, and it's affecting so many of our college-age girls. And I, so I just think this is something, even as women and as a community of women, we just need to be aware of and we yeah. need to be educated and we need to go to the resources, which you, that's a great place to go to Treasures and find that. So what is one tip that you would leave our listeners right now, if they want to get involved, if they know somebody, what would you, what would you say to them? I would say visit our website, IamAtreasure.com. We have a section called um, Get Involved, and there's 15 things you can do. No matter who you are, no matter where you live, there's something that you can do to get involved, and there's, we just break it down for you. And then also we have a lot of resources there. Not, we have resources for women in the sex industry. We have resources for, resources for men struggling with sexual addiction. We have resources for wives and spouses whose husbands are struggling with sexual addiction. And so I would say that's a great starting point is just to go to our website at IamAtreasure.com. Well, thank you so much, Harmony, for being on the show with us today. And we have Pat McCullough up next. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com.
It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. Was sad, right? Cause he had a death kill mommy and dad, right? But that ain't the case, nope. it wasn't his fate, no. Nope. The walks never struggled to communicate. Ha. Y'all wave your hands, look who's on it. Dakota Man Keith, that he's number one. It's that Keith Wine Show on Togginet.com, Wednesday nights at 8, 7 Central. Every week, that Keith Wine Show will have guests that share their experiences, expertise, opinions, and personal lives with us to hopefully help us better understand others. The topics and guests will come from the American Sign Language community. For more on Keith Wine and the show, go to his website, KeithWannWann.com. Listen with an open mind and willingness to learn and help with the cultural bridge. Number, number one, Keith's number one. Everybody clap. Don't miss that Keith Wan show Wednesday nights at eight seven central on Toginet.com. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward. With tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned, these pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central, on Doginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we are continuing our conversation, asking the question uh, that we asked earlier, where do you get yourself worth? And whose voice do you listen to? And we have our good friend, Pat McCullough, joining us right now. And uh, Pat is the founder of Branded, Branded Phoenix, and he shares our heartbeat for eradicating child sex slavery. Pat is also the president of Streetlight Ministries, which in the Phoenix area, he is, he is bringing together community leaders, our, our, our governor, our mayor, uh, vice officers, and the church community together to go, we have a problem in our community and in communities all across the world, and, and where are God's people, and how can we join forces and help eradicate this horrific injustice that's happening to our children and affecting our family. So, Pat, welcome to Girlfriend It. Well, thank you, and uh, you're hired. That was an incredible introduction, and you, you, I don't have anything else to say. I'm actually exhausted for you, <laughs> just hearing what you do. <laughs> I, we know that you live sleep-deprived. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, Pat, we just have to ask you, um, your passion points, and you're doing so many remarkable things, so what exactly, what makes you weep and pound the table um, with this issue? What, what really got you to just jump in and say, I can't stand it no more? 
Oh, great question. Um, and, and I think it's an appropriate question. I think specifically with this topic, when we begin to talk about child sex slavery, it, it should legitimately cause uh, literally rage in all of us. Um, but my hope is that we can turn that rage, and it's, it's really my prayer for my own life, that I can turn that rage into compassionate action. Uh, for me, it was about three and a half years ago, sitting in a meeting with community leaders, we were talking about uh, or asking a really a dumb question, is now the time to come together to meet physical and spiritual needs? The dumb question, because it's always time. But it was at that meeting where I learned that the average age of entry into child prostitution in both Phoenix and across the United States, according to the Department of Justice, is 13 years old. That the average age of entry in a child prostitution is 13 years old. And um, mm-hmm. my daughter at that time was 13. And mm-hmm. so you, you, you can understand how I, I quickly turned to uh, a, an emotion of rage. But since that time, when really trying to turn that into compassionate action, and, and call other people to stand up and become modern-day abolitionists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that, it's so good to hear that, because I think I still, because I do have, a, you know, two daughters, and um, I still get at the rage part where, you know, my, my solution, as you know, is, is to, you know, whack the weenie. And you really shouldn't say <laughs> that on say radio. You you just said that. <laughs> so I might have to blip, blip that one. <laughs> so I, I do love your heart of how you're actually taking action in a very responsible manner. <laughs> <laughs> don't well, let Patty yeah, be a... Okay? <laughs> Go ahead. I said, don't let Patty be the spokesperson, okay, on the front line out there. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Maybe we need to hear that, too. I certainly think people do. But again, if you stop the supply and demand of this, it wouldn't exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what do we do, Pat? Well, uh, um, you know, it's a great question. And uh, what we have seen, you know, you, you both have come to a branded screening and been at some of those, and it was a documentary that was created simply to raise awareness to a predominantly uneducated audience about this issue. Uh, I was one of them. But one of the things that we've recognized that when we do this screening, once people understand the reality that down the street from where they live and go to work and go to church and go to school, that tonight literally hundreds of girls will, will be forced into a life of, of child sex slavery, um, it, it really develops in them the same rage, and they ask that same question, what do we do? And so Streetlight and Branded were really launched with this three-tier strategy of raising awareness, prevention, and aftercare. We wanted to stop the supply and demand, but we also Mm -hmm. wanted to provide uh, a holistic rehabilitation or restoration for girls that are rescued from this. So there are many ways that that people can get involved. If they go to the sites, brandedphx.com or streetlightphx.com, there'll be some ideas there. But one of the, the, the biggest one, one of the simplest ones, is to simply make other people aware. I, I would suggest that all the listeners, um, within the next half hour, send an email to five people you know and tell them about this issue and send them to one of those sites. When mm-hmm. we raise up enough voices, that I think really modern-day abolitionists, I, we, we, I believe, are really going to make history in Phoenix of being a place that is leading the nation and eradicating this. Well, and you know what's been so... Um so incredible is the stories because because of what you're doing and combining the church community and community leaders, you have, you know, Branded and Street Life has been responsible for changing some laws, like the, the, the John Bill 
and um, even saving some, because uh, with Phoenix, our budget, we're in a budget crisis, and some of the vice officers who really are significant in the trenches in this area got together, got lists of people to sign petitions, and it really helped save their jobs. So there's really, when, when we come together, when God's people come together, community leaders, it is powerful. Can you just kind of explain how, how you've seen in the community some of those changes come about when people just are rallying together? Yeah, uh, absolutely, and we are seeing it. And again, I believe it goes back to us uh, uh, writing history now. When you look at the uh, historical abolition movements, whether you're talking about other parts of the world, even in our own country, it was essentially uh, a small army of people that raised their voices and, and changed, and, and sometimes changed entire cultural systems. And it's what we need to do here, and it's what we're already seeing. And you, you gave a couple of examples. I do think about that when we when we were... Our vice officers were perhaps in danger of losing their jobs with all the budget cuts, and we sent out a petition, and we had people sign that petition from 43 different states and eight different countries, and I was able to go down with some other people and sit down in front of our council members and say, look, we have something very unique and innovative happening here in Phoenix, and we need this group of vice officers. They're on the front line. They're our heroes, um, and they're really leading the nation in understanding this issue. And, and I think a lot of ways we were part of saving those jobs. And that's one of many examples of what people are able to do when we, when we come together and say we need to stop this. Absolutely. And even just like you said, the awareness. Well, speaking of jobs and awareness, I do have to say you guys are looking for a director of streetlights, the actual facility. So if you um, find that you could fill that position, then make sure you check out the site Pat already talked about or go to Girlfriend It, and we can lead you in that right direction. But also, um, just the awareness of moms well, and, and dads, but I know when Lisa and I first met you, you had your, your daughter that was approached in the park by a guy that, you know, the, the typical thing that they, they go into is you're beautiful, you have great eyes, you can be a model, we, let's do, um, you know, a photo shoot, you would, um, you know, we can make a lot of money together. And soon after your daughter was approached, then my daughter and her friends, uh, I mean, my daughter wasn't there at the mall, her friends were approached, and they're oblivious. They really do believe the lie. They believe the voice that's coming in to say, we can make some money together. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I um, just the other day spoke with a family whose 14-year-old daughter was recently rescued in Tucson. And uh, they're, they're uh, a close family, church-going family, live in Scottsdale, and their daughter was on MySpace, and the guy approached her on MySpace, said, you're beautiful, we could make $250 a day, and $250 a day to a 14-year-old is like a million dollars. And yeah. um, she gave out some personal information. Within 24 hours, the guy was up here and had her turned out on the street. It is a reality. And as you said, uh, your daughter's sons have been approached. My own daughter was approached in a park. And so that's where I think it's important for us as parents or youth leaders or any uh, teachers, any of us that have influence with young people, that, to simply sit down sometimes and, and ask the what ifs. You know, what if someone said this to you, uh, you know, on the social media? What if you were approached in the mall? What if you were approached at a movie theater? what would you do? And I think it's one of the best ways that we can raise awareness and prevention because we've discovered that awareness is prevention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think so many times with this issue, we've all, all kind of think, well, this is what happens on the other side of the world. It's, it's in these other places and it's in certain conditions, you know, but it's happening in our, in our communities and in our, in our cities here in America. And I know Phoenix is one of the top cities for this issue. 
And it's like we cannot put our, we cannot hide from it any longer. And, and so this awareness and the prevention is so huge to it. Can you kind of explain a little bit about, um, even with streetlight, the need for it? Because what, say you rescue a gal, what then? Yeah. Um, well, and going back to your comments there, I do, I, I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying. You know, we cannot, I always say we cannot call ourselves a just and stable society when we do not protect our children. And with this particular issue, we are not protecting our children. Legislation in most states right now um, actually protects the Johns and the Pimps. You know, they can go solicit from an underage girl and simply say, I didn't know, and there's loopholes for them. And that, mm-hmm. is, that is not protecting our children. Uh, mm-hmm. it, even, even once they're rescued, as you just asked, once these girls are rescued, there are, there are very uh, few options across the United States. There's somewhere near about 50 beds in the entire United States of America that is specifically mm. meeting these girls' needs for underage girls that are rescued. So even now in Phoenix, once our vice officers rescue one of these girls, they convince this girl that they can trust them, and the girl will roll over on her pimp. And Well, then their next option is they either take her home, um, which she usually runs the next day because they've been so brainwashed, or they go lock her up in jail. And they've just told this girl, we know that you are a victim, not a criminal. And yet their mm-hmm. only option is to put them in a jail cell. And so Streetlight will provide an option where we hope to be able to have these, bring these girls in and, and meet their holistic, their physical, their spiritual, their emotional, their social needs, and, and, um, and be part of restoring these girls to who God intended them to be. Mm-hmm. Well, Pat, we only have um, about a minute left and first of all, we just have to thank you again. What you are saying is just so significant, and there's so many things that we can do uh, just to to change the culture and in our society re- really come together as a community. What would be a tip that you can leave with everyone? And we know go to brandedphx.com, and like you said, tell other people about it. Get on Facebook, whatever you whatever you can do, do it. But what would be another tip? Well, obviously we'll need some funding, and one of the ways, we're launching our new streetlight site in a couple of days, and we're asking people, become a modern-day abolitionist. The average age of entry in a child prostitution is 13, and yet the 13th Amendment abolished slavery, and we're saying, would you get $13 a month? That's like 50 cents a day. And, you know, if we had, had 2,000 people giving $13 a month, that would be basically a quarter of our budget in, in restoring these girls and putting together prevention programs. And so that, that is a one great opportunity for people to get involved. Well, thank you so much. And we just want to thank you for doing The Remarkable. And we'll talk to you next week. Go out and do The Remarkable yourself. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show designed.